I know for myself, what I need to do is make space. I need to make space in, in my life. It's really easy in our lives to get busy and become human doings rather than human beings. And so we need to stop and make space and let God fill that space. Let him come into that space. How do you do that? Well, we don't need to, fortunately, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, There are some amazing people who have gone before us in history who have established some really wonderful spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices which do that, which open space in our days for the Lord to come in. Hi, and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me in your homes this Sunday. Um, It's really nice to be with you. I'd rather be with you in person, but for the moment, this is how it has to be. You know, in the current circumstances, it can feel a little bit like we um, are just waiting. We're waiting for the time when things will change. But what I really felt was this morning that God would want to remind us that we are made to thrive. We are made for an abundant life. He has promised us an abundant life. And that is even in the midst of the circumstances that we find ourselves. That is even in the midst of this pandemic. We have, and we have a God who would speak to speak to us in these times to remind us of his love for us and to encourage us if we would turn and listen and hear his voice and then speak it out for each other. And that's what we've been talking about over the past week, um, week for the morning community, I think two weeks for the evening community is the prophetic, is the hearing of God's voice and then the speaking of what he says. God's voice is powerful and there is nothing that he can't do and there's no way that he can't speak to us. His first language of speaking to us is through scripture, through this amazing Bible that we have that is Holy Spirit inspired God's word for us today. But that's not the only way he speaks to us. When we uh, become believers, we are born again, we receive the Holy Spirit and he speaks to us now through the Holy Spirit. And it's powerful. I, um, I remember the first time God really spoke to me where I heard God's voice for my life and it was through a verse that someone had given me. I don't remember the person's name unfortunately but if this was you then thank you. I have so appreciated it over the years and I grew up in a really loving family but somewhere along the way I learned to protect myself. I put up barriers that would protect my heart which meant that I often felt like I was never truly known and yet deep in my heart I longed to be truly known. I longed to be seen as something more than what the world saw that my innermost being would be known. 
And one of those, one of those parts that I kept secret in that place was a dream. Well, it wasn't a dream so much as a longing, and it was a a longing to be sung over. To me, nothing seemed so magical as having someone cherish you so much that they would sing that love over you. Anyway, that was my little dream, and it was tucked away in the basement of my heart for the longest time. And then somebody came to me and said, ah, I think I have a verse for you. And the verse they had was Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. In reading that verse, I heard the Lord say, Kimmy, I sing over you. I see you. I love you. All of the things that you long for, you will find in me. In that moment, I felt his love. And I'm still right now reminded of his love. His voice to us is love. It is a love that restores. It is a love that gives life because that is who he is. So we have been looking at hearing this voice and sharing this voice because that's what prophecy is, this gift of God's word, his thoughts, his plans for all of us. We've been looking at as part of our everyday life, um, our supernatural everyday walk. It's just part of that because it is part of kingdom living, receiving and giving God's word, God's heart for our community is, is part of kingdom living and we need to practice it, to engage in it. Um, but today I want to take a step back from giving God's word in, in that way to hearing God's word because before we can give God's word, we need to hear God's word. Uh, one of anyone that's been around kids or has kids for themselves knows that one of the big milestones in the first couple of years is the first word or the first word or two. You know, it's a really big deal. We learn to imitate and what that requires is that we've first learned the ability to hear. Our hearing is predicated, our speaking rather, is predicated on our ability to hear. Fortunately, as believers, we are wired to hear God. And I want to take you back to your scriptures. So if you have your Bibles with you, open up in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And then flick over if you have your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. God is inviting us to hear his voice and to enter into relationship with him. Hearing his voice includes or begins with learning to recognize his voice. But kind of the question then is, well, what does his voice sound like? Like, how do I know that it's God's voice I'm listening to? And honestly, it can be a bit tricky, particularly in the beginning, to understand which is God's voice, because I am, you are, we all are, we are all spiritual, intellectual, emotional, and physical beings. All of those elements are in play in us at any one given point in time. Consequently, in my head, there can be 
any a number of voices or certainly a number of influence um, influencing my thinking and, and what I'm listening to. They are me, that's my mind, my personality, my emotions, my logic, my reasoning, my intelligence, all of those things I can be listening to. Secondly, I can be listening to God's voice. When God speaks, it one, it always lines up the, with the Bible. It always lines up with his character and his actions. If what you're hearing does not line up with scripture, then it's not from God. Also, his voice is kind. It is loving. It is encouraging. It is healing. It is joy. It is peace. It is reassurance. It can be convicting and it can be confronting, but it is never condemning. That leads us to the third voice, which we might be hearing, and as which is also spiritual in origin, but it is not God. It's the enemy or Satan. And we know from scripture that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does that through negative thoughts. So if the thoughts you're hearing, if they are negatory, if they are accusatory, if they are destructive, if they are vicious, if they tear you down, then they are not God. God always builds up. So the question then for us is with these voices happening in our heads, which one is having the most influence in our lives? Which one are we listening out for? If we turn our hearts and minds and bodies to listen for God's word, we will learn to recognize his voice. We will discern his voice for every part of what we're doing. Now, it would be simplest if God spoke in a really loud, clear voice and told us specifics. However, that's not generally how it works. It's not what we find when we read scripture either. God's word is not always clear and simple. We have to go searching. We have to seek it out. It's kind of the same with God's voice. I want you to turn your Bibles now to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 1 to 13. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah had to stand up from what he was doing and go to a place to hear God. He had to go and lean in, press into God, press in to the gentle whisper. You may think, I don't want to whisper. I want, I want the earthquake. I'll have the neon sign. Thanks, God. I need the neon sign. But you don't. You don't need the neon sign. You just need to press in. You need to stand up from what you're doing. Do what Elijah did. Go closer because that's what we need to do when someone whispers to us. We can't hear a whisper from across the other side of the room. We need to get in close. It's intimate. Hearing a whisper is intimate. 
we have to be in that place of intimacy, of a relationship to be able to hear it. And as we develop that, then we will learn to recognize his voice and we'll recognize it in his every day. Like the other day when I was preparing for today, I realized at some point that I had a song. I became aware of a song that was going on in my head. And, and when I turned my mind to that, I realized actually that song had been in my head for a little while. And it was a song you'll, you may be familiar with. It's from Godspell. And this was the song. Day by day, day by day, oh dear Lord, three things I pray, to see thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, follow thee more nearly day by day. That simple refrain is played over and over again for three minutes and 15 seconds. That's the entirety of the song. And that refrain, that concept is my heart for me. It's the cry of my heart. And it's also my heart for you in this process, because it's the thing that will allow the prophetic. It's the thing that will actually allow the rest of what God has for us, but it will allow the prophetic as we learn to hear God's voice. But how do we get there? How do we push deeper into him and tune in to the frequency that is God speaking? Well, I know for myself, what I need to do is make space. I need to make space in, in my life. It's really easy in our lives to get busy and become human doings rather than human beings. And so we need to stop and make space and let God fill that space. Let him come into that space. How do you do that? Well, we don't need to, fortunately, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, there are some amazing people who have gone before us in history who have established some really wonderful spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices which do that, which open space in our days for the Lord to come in. Um, Richard Foster has written a great book, and this morning I want to touch on 11 of those disciplines, just as an ideas for you if you're wondering about how to make space in your life. Now, some of these disciplines you will see used in the Bible, but some of them are not used in the Bible. And you may have other ones that you use that I don't mention tonight. And that's great. These are just ideas to encourage or help or facilitate us pushing in so that we can learn to recognize God's voice. Adam mentioned this one last week. We need to get into our Bibles. We need to know God's word. It is the foundation for our lives. But we need to do it not just for the sake of knowledge. We're not just learning information like we would learn in a textbook. We're studying the Bible because ultimately the Bible reveals God to us. He reveals his character and his actions. Another reason why reading scripture regularly is important because it actually, it fuels and informs all of the other spiritual disciplines. It makes sure we know we're on track because if what we're doing is not lining up with scripture, then it's not from God. Okay, the second one is prayer. Prayer is our bread and butter. I really don't have to say too much, I don't think, about prayer, uh, except I did just want to highlight 
four different types of prayer that you may not have thought of, which are really good for, I've found, to be really helpful in creating space for God. Um, the first one is prayer journaling. Now, full confession up front, I'm not really good at journaling. If I was, I'd be able to tell you who it was that gave me that word early on. As it is, I can't. But there is great um, there's great use for prayer journaling. It's wonderful because you get to look back and you get to see over a week or a year or a season what God is doing and it's really encouraging. I have actually one of the most beautiful gifts Matt has ever given me was a prayer journal. It wasn't an empty one for me to fill in. He knows me. He knows me better than that. But what he did was, I can't remember, again, if I had a journal, I'd be able to remember, but I can't remember whether it was before a birthday or whether it was before a wedding anniversary. But either way, he got up for 30 days before this event and sought the Lord for me and wrote down every day what he heard the Lord say about me and for me. So it was this prophetic journal for my life and it was amazing. It's seriously the most incredible gift he's ever, he's ever given me. So I want to encourage you that there is, um, there is a really wonderful space to be had, a really wonderful use for prayer journaling. The next one is fixed hour prayer. And all this is at its most simplest is setting your alarm clock at maybe just for example, um, at six, at at six, at nine, at 12, at three, at six, at nine, and then taking 30 seconds when your alarm goes off to connect with God, to just focus on him being in that moment, wherever that moment is, wherever you are, to focus on him being in that moment. Another one is contemplative prayer. And so what we're doing there is we are taking like even a short uh, word or a short verse. It's kind of like meditation, really, and we'll talk about meditation in a minute. Say it can be something as simple as a phrase, Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, if you stop and repeat that verse slowly for two minutes, four minutes, 40 minutes, then you will find yourself centered on God and you will find that you have opened a space for him to speak to you through that verse. Try it. See how you go. The other one is one that we often overlook, I think, in our prayer, and it's a very strong in the Jewish tradition, and that is scriptural prayer. We have a Bible full of already established, amazing, wonderful prayers. If you're ever wondering what to pray, go to the Psalms, full, full, full of amazing prayers already written, and we can just repeat them. The third one is silence or solitude. You know, we live in a culture that's full of activity and full of noise. Everyone wants to talk. Everyone wants to um, be heard, but not many people want to stop and listen. And silence, as it's uncomfortable as it might be for some of us, actually creates a space to become more aware of God than you are of the world around you. Now, I've been listening to a, um, a fabulous podcast called Beamer, uh, and on it, the, the guy, one of the guys, Marty Solomon, tells a story of way back when he was a young Christian, and he said his mentor gave him a challenge. He said, pack a... Um, pack a lunch and go out to the lake. He lived by lake. Go out to the lake for about eight hours. And Marty's response was, yeah, okay, sure, I can do that. What do you want me to do out there? And the mentor said, nothing. 
I just want you to be in silence with God. And that is confronting. I know my first instinct, if someone said, you've got eight hours to do nothing, I'd be like, okay, how can I fill it? <laughs> I've got so much to do. How do I fill it? And yet that's the whole, that was the whole point of the challenge to stop to not be distracted by the things we are doing in our day and just to be still, you know, be still and know that I am God is what he tells us in the Bible. That's what this was. And, and Marty and Marty went on to say that it took actually took about four and a half hours for his mind to quiet, for the thoughts of what he needed to be doing or what he should be doing or just the general activity of his mind to be silenced and for God, <clears throat> excuse me, and for him to hear God in that space. But when he did, it was really powerful. Just be still and know that I am God. Silence, solitude, they give us that. Okay, uh, the next one, number four, practicing the presence of God. This is about uh, learning to be aware of him as a constant companion. You know, um, Matt and I have been married for almost 24 years, 24 years on the 1st of November. And I, I tell you that just to say that what I have learned is that over the course of our marriage, uh, 90% of our communication is not intentional. Intentional is the wrong word, but it's not, okay, honey, we need to sit down. We need to have an official discussion and solve this problem or do this or make a plan. Most of our communication is just companionship. It's just the two of us hanging out together. It's us doing life together. I wonder if you can say that about your relationship with God. Is most of what you're doing, most of your communication, just companionship with God, chatting to him as you go about your day, not something specific like a service on Sunday or a worship night, just allowing God into your everyday moment and listening for him because he's there. He's in those moments and he's speaking in those moments if we would turn our hearts and our minds and listen to him. If you would like a, another a book that is great for this, is not easy to read because it's not written in modern language, but it's a book called by Brother Lawrence called Practicing the Presence of God and it's amazing and I would thoroughly recommend it. Number five, meditation or memorization of pieces of scripture. You know, most of us know what memorization is. And this is, this is though, is a key that I've learned along the way. I actually think I picked this up from Bema too, is that when we're memorizing, we're not memorizing to try and recite the Bible. The aim of memorizing Bible verses is not so that we would be able to recite from one Genesis to the end of Revelation. The point of memorizing the verses is so that they would be in us so that when God is speaking to us, because very often he speaks through his scripture, he prompts us. And so that we would have those in us so that one, we would know and recognize his voice and two, that he could, he could use that. You know, do you find, I find that more often than not, the verses God gives me for people are the verses I know. Very occasionally, there'll be one randomly turn up in a scripture, but they're verses I know I've memorized. So memorize verses, meditate on them, repeat them, um, intentionally reflect on them. That's meditation. Number six is simplicity. We live in a culture of consumption, consumption, consumption. And so what simplicity does is it draws us back to God. It clears our life of the stuff 
which allows us not to be distracted and to focus on God. So this can be this can be for a lifetime or it can be for a season. You can feel like your life is really cluttered, so you want to pare back. It can be in relation to any aspect of your life. It can be food, it can be clothes, it can be language, um, it can be anything. Uh, just have a go and have fun with it and, and see how... It can actually, for lockdown, it might be that you've been on Amazon too much and you've been buying too much stuff. Clear a space and use that space to let God in. Number seven, generosity. I love this one. We were born to bless. We are created to be a blessing to others. And generosity reminds us that everything we have is from God and it helps us to see outside of ourselves and to see others and as we bless others. It can be in relation to money. It doesn't have to be. It can be in relation to time or service. It might be that you decide, okay, Every time someone asks something of me this week, I'm going to say yes. Normally, I put up good, healthy boundaries, but this week, I'm just going to be completely generous with my time. One lovely story of generosity I I read the other day was on Instagram. There's a guy, a musician I followed. His name is Crowder. And he put up this fabulous post. Well, I think it's fabulous. He said there was a pair of sneakers that he saw that he wanted online, but he also knew, he also felt from the Lord that he um, he needed to go through a season of being intentionally more generous. And so what he did was he saved up for those sneakers. He bought those sneakers and then he gave those sneakers to someone else. Lord, that's pretty cool. Number eight, gratitude. There's a Jewish tradition of saying uh, 70 blessings in a day. I tried. I got to about 24 and I really struggled. But what I found was really good in this process was that it made me so thankful. It made me intentionally looking how and where I could be thankful to God, which connected me to God and gave him space to speak into my life. Number nine, submission. This is about practicing obedience to those who have authority over us in our lives. It's about submitting even when you disagree with them. Now, this is not when you have a moral disagreement. It's it's more like at work, they're doing things a way you think there'd be a better way to do, but they've said, no, this is the way we're doing it. So spirit, the spiritual discipline of submission, we learn to honour those that are in authority over us. We learn to prefer them and we learn to love them and we let God show us what he has for us in this process. Tenth is fasting. Pretty sure we all know kind of what fasting is. It's going without something for a period of time. It's an act of self-denial, which reconnects us to our humanness, reconnects us to our weakness, lets God come into those spaces of weakness and be God. Last one, feasting. We have a good God and we can make a space for him by celebrating him. We can do that with worship. We can do that with meals. We can do that by getting together on Zoom or as a community, five in a picnic or hopefully in a couple of months back out or in in our homes, we can celebrate him. We should never forget to celebrate him. He is a good God and we connect with him and we make a space for him when we do that. Now, as I mentioned before, it's not a finite list. It's not a list that you have to complete to hear from God. They are just concepts that you may want to pick up to 
make a space and allow more God in your life. Matt said, when I was telling Matt about this, he said, did you put tongues in there? I went, oh gosh, no, I didn't. Um, so tongues, so for him, praying in tongues makes a space for God to speak in his life. And there may it may be that there are different seasons in your life where you pick up one or two of these um, and you lay down others. But just have a go, have fun with them and see the results of having more God in your life and learning to recognize his voice as he speaks in those spaces that you open up. So we've come to the end. I want to leave you with a challenge and an encouragement in terms of hearing God's voice. The challenge is that I want you to look uh, sometime in the next couple of hours, because otherwise you'll forget and you won't do it. I want to challenge you to look over your last week and honestly assess how much space you made for God to speak to you, how much time you opened to practice listening and hearing his voice. And then that's not to say, that's not to realize, actually, I didn't have very much. Don't feel bad. Whether it was a little or a lot doesn't matter. The point is to acknowledge where you're at now. And then for the next week, make some intentional plans to pick up some of these disciplines, pick up some of these space creators and see what God does. And then third part is to be accountable to someone, to check back in and just say, how did you go? Were you able to do it? Just as we do that, as we walk it out, as we make it a natural part of our living, we will hear God's voice. And that's the purpose. As I finish up, I want to encourage you as you, um, as we are practicing hearing from God, that God works. His voice is powerful. I've uh, been reading a book on prophecy by Sean Boltz and in it he tells a story. Now I'm not going to do the story justice so if you want to hear the good version go back and go and read his, one of his books but what he does he tells a story of one time he was in a coffee shop which is where he does church and he said he felt God gave him a word for a guy at a table. So he he went over and he said, um, he thought he gave him a name. Now, I don't remember the name. Let's just, for the sake of the story, call it Tom. So he gave over, he went over to the coffee table and he said, oh, um, sorry to interrupt you, but do you, does the name Tom mean anything to you? And the person sitting at the table said, oh, no, no, it doesn't, sorry. Um, and so Sean kind of went, okay, got that one wrong and went to, to hightail it out of there. And the guy stopped him and said, why did you, why did you ask that? And he said, oh, okay, I've got a moment here. I can tell him the truth or I can walk away. But he told him the truth. And he said, I felt like God told me to, that there was someone in your life called Tom. And the person sitting at the table said, oh no, there's not, but can you sit down and talk to me? I've always wanted to know more about hearing from God. And then so Sean sat down and talked to him and spoke to him about that. Our job is to make a space to submit and be prepared to listen and hear from God, be obedient to what we hear. The rest is in God's hand. God, with that, God can do anything. And it might not just be what we were expecting. So it is such an adventure. I want to encourage you to open your ears to hear God. Bless you guys. Have a great week and I look forward to seeing you soon.